Hi again, everybody. This is uh, the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. I'm Jamie Allison. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different fields, different genres, different niches, people just doing really cool things in their space and, and things that uh, we can take away, some tips and tricks and uh, and little bits of their story to be able to use in our lives as well. Um, I know that we have one of those individuals today. I'm really excited about um, you know, our, our guest. And, and just before we jump into that, um, one of the things that we do talk about with a lot of our guests um, is uh, goal setting. And, and that turns into you know, discussions around journaling and how they do some of those things um, to make uh, the big moves in their lives. Um, we have found uh, a great kind of tool for that. And uh, you will see, uh, if you go to our Instagram page, which is big idea underscore big moves, you'll see in uh, in our bio that there's actually a link for something called Jim Gypsy. And it is a journaling system that uh, is not only a regular kind of diary around um, things like health and wellness and fitness, but also talks a little bit about your why and why you want to do the things that you're doing. Um, it's something that, uh, that uh, is definitely worth taking a look at. And um, you can right now, if you go on to our uh, bio, you can actually get a a 15% off uh, code there as well. So, so jump in, take a look at it, see if it's something that you uh, would like and, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you'll be able to use it and and move things forward uh, for yourselves as well. Um, So we are going to jump into an interview today with, um, and it's a a really cool story, I I think as well, is that Stacey Leewood um, has recently become the youngest certified NBA player uh, agent in Canada. And uh, so she was a, a varsity track and field athlete in university. And she has since um, spent um, time as a director of player personnel with the Guelph Nighthawks, uh, assistant coach for the Memorial University basketball uh, team, uh, and the Newfoundland uh, Rogues pro basketball team as well. Um, so lots of kind of sports background, but uh, also doing some really cool things in the uh, the agent space as well. And, and Stacey, I know that uh, uh, recently, you've had a, a couple of neat kind of signings of clients and things like that, uh, you know, early in your career. Maybe how's that felt to be able to start to kind of get your roster together that way? Honestly, it's really surreal. And I, I feel like it hasn't totally hit me yet. I mean, my first client, I just got him his first opportunity in the G League, which is obviously the development league for the NBA. And I'm actually going to have the opportunity to go watch his first couple games next month. So I think at that point, it's really going to hit me the impact that I actually get to have on people's lives and their careers in this role. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, you know, you were an athlete yourself and, um, uh, you know, I I guess a lot of athletes that transition from being an athlete, maybe in university and and some collegiate stuff and moving into the the business world or other things, it can be a challenge for some people is being that agent and kind of impacting people that way. Has it been something that um, has always been a goal for you? Is it something that's kind of fallen into something recently? Where, Where does that come from for you? So working in basketball is for me, it's just combining passions, really. I've always been really passionate about helping people and growing up as long as I can remember, I've always been really passionate about basketball, even though I did end up on the varsity track and field team. That was like a really quick pivot for me. I actually grew up playing basketball. I've been to nationals three times, went to Canada games for that as well. Um, So I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. And I think a lot of people might struggle on the business side, had they not had any experience like in that era or in that area, sorry, mm-hmm. but my business degree kind of helps me out, kind of bridge the gap a little bit and 
everybody in business knows that the one thing that you really need is your network. And yeah. fortunately, I have always been great at making friends along the way. <laughs> well, and, and, and maybe that, that brings me to a question that, um, you know, that industry and a lot of industries that I would say, especially in, um, you know, different parts of business, um, your network is, is very much what you have to be able to build. Has that, um, you know, has that been a struggle for you early on? Is that something that, um, you know, uh, you know, how have you done that in an industry that, uh, you know, especially being an agent is built very much on your network? So it's funny, people ask me all the time, like, first, like, how did you get your clients? And how did you even get started? You're from like this itty bitty place that doesn't have basketball, really, other than the things that I'm doing now. Um, we don't even have like sports management degrees or anything here on the island. So I get that question a lot. And it's actually kind of funny. I feel like things just have kind of fallen into place in the sense that if you work hard enough at something like windows will open for you. And if you go through those doors open, you know what I mean? So when I first decided that I wanted to take a chance and work in basketball, I was almost finished my degree. At this point, I was finishing the last uh, few years of my business degree online. I chose to do it remotely so that I can move to Toronto and kind of figure out what I wanted to do with the degree after I'd finished. Mm -hmm. And I kept running into people in Toronto that obviously worked for the Raptors, that worked for other NBA teams, people that worked for the players and that sort of thing. And it really kind of was a full circle moment for me to like come back to basketball and so when I decided I wanted to work in basketball, that was the first thing I thought, like, how am I going to do this when all these other people have these massive networks of important people that you need to be successful? So the first thing that I did was I went on LinkedIn and on Indeed, and I tried to find any sort of opportunity I could find at all in basketball. And at the time, it was in the middle of an NBA season, so there wasn't a whole lot. Um, but I knew that I needed to make friends and I had to make friends with the right people. So I became really invested on LinkedIn going on every single day and adding as many people as it lets you because it does cap out. You can't add everybody in the same day. Um, but I did that for months, um, which was really great. And then I also had the opportunity through that and looking on Indeed for potential jobs. I thought, you know what, what about an internship? Couldn't find anything in basketball. I'd reached out to some agencies and they weren't interested in bringing me on even as like an administrative assistant. So I was like, what am I going to do? And I came across uh, a, a prof actually from, I believe it was Humber. He had, uh, I don't know if it still exists actually, but it's a like a sports media company and it was called Spima. And basically he was looking for people that would interview people in the sports world, whether it was basketball, soccer, hockey, it didn't matter, but he wanted to hear from industry professionals about stories going on in their lives. So I decided like, yeah, of course I'll do this for free, but I want to talk to basketball people. And that was our deal. So I spent, I think 12 or 13 months working for him, just interviewing people in the basketball industry. Anybody I thought was interesting, he thought was interesting. Um, they only at Canada would think is interesting. And I actually built my network that way, just through interviewing industry professionals for an internship. Yeah, and it, and it does show that you can build that if you're if you're you really tap into the different things that are out there, and uh, and probably more so now than ever before, just because there are so many opportunities that are remote and things like that 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 there may not have been kind of pre-COVID. So, um, you know, one thing that you do say is that you are um, unapologetically ambitious, I think is what I, I read. Um, explain what that means uh, from, from your end. So from my side of things, people want to support you once they see that it's working. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly like the definition of an overnight success is people are like, wow, this person's doing great. Let's go support them. But a lot of people don't realize that it takes years and thousands of hours to actually get that one break where somebody wants to hear about you. And that's how you get support. But for me, it's just, I've always been this way. If I've set my mind to something, my parents laugh at me all the time and say, like, we just know you're going to do it. Like there were situations that I've gone through so far, even in my early career of basketball that my mom says all the time, she's like, anyone else would have quit. And I didn't care how many people said that you couldn't do it because I knew you were going to find a way. And even in my first like player, I found that there were a lot of people that told me he was too small for the G League, that he was too old for the G League. I already tried it. So don't even bother. I can't get him to the G League. So you can't either. And it got to a point that it, there was a breaking point. That's do I quit trying and, you know, let him pursue opportunities overseas? Or do I have one last ditch effort and just push through and try and make it happen for him? And I'm so glad that I did because it all worked out. And now he's one step closer to his dream and I couldn't be happier about it, but I'm just, I'm somebody that's not afraid to dream big at all. And a lot of people are afraid of criticism. Like, Oh, you're crazy. You can't do it, but everybody's crazy until they do it. Now you're in an industry where, you know, that I, I guess I'm wondering if sports has been a little slower about kind of shifting to, you know, having really good opportunities, especially for females in some of those sports and, and on the, on the business side. Um, and uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's probably that way in kind of agents and, and some of those things as well. Um, number one, I guess, do you see that? And, and number two, do you, do you see it changing? And is that something that, that you kind of um, uh, you see a role in and actively being able to help change that? So yes and no. While there are far less women in basketball than men, in terms of becoming an agent, it's like equal opportunity. There may be less women that are potentially interested in that role because they have less role models. They don't necessarily have somebody that looks like them that they can look up to, but that can be said for a whole host of different demographics of people. So in terms of the agency side of things, uh, like representing players, it's equal opportunity. In my opinion, I have a lot of people ask me, Oh, how do you overcome being a a female agent? And I just kind of laugh because so far in my career, that's kind of been my competitive advantage. (laughs) Yeah. That when I decided that I was going to become an agent, I really didn't think about how it would affect other people like at all. I was just like, I want to work in basketball. And that's the idea that I came up with to get in there because I knew I had to create my own job. I knew that nobody would hire me. Um, So I think that becoming an agent has had a really interesting effect, not only on my hometown, but on Canada and even a lot of the people internationally that I've been able to connect with. And it's not something I expected, but when I get messages from like little girls that I coach asking me how I did it and what I helped them and men as well, I have men text me and like LinkedIn message me all the time. How long did it take you to study for the test? Like, when is the test? Like, what's the process? Like that kind of thing. And just having somebody that's approachable for people to ask questions and have somebody to actually give them an answer. I I think that, not only for women, but maybe for a lot of people that feel like they're a minority in this industry and specifically as agents. And I'm happy to kind of be a light that they can kind of look towards and get some answers from. Yeah. And and the industry, um, I would say basketball in Canada has has grown leaps and bounds in the last little while. And uh, uh, do you see that, I guess, in opportunities for you? It's not that you don't have kind of the ability to do lots internationally, but uh, obviously, um, you know, it, 
Canadian Canadian talent would be pretty cool that you'd be able to connect with. Do you see that growth from from what you're doing? Absolutely. The growth of Canadian basketball, even since I kind of retired from playing, has been astronomical, to be totally honest with you. If you look at the NBA right now, there's 18 players that like were on opening night rosters. That is the most we've ever seen in the NBA. And they're not just guys that make the roster anymore. These guys are potential NBA all-stars now. Mm -hmm. And that all starts with grassroots. There are some incredible programs all over the country that are focused on getting these guys to the next level. But not only talent-wise, and and girls as well. When I say guys, I'm also referring to women. Um, but yeah, we just have some like people that have become very, very dedicated to the growth of basketball in our country and the opportunity that can provide not just for Canadians, but for people that have come from other countries that are, are using Canada as their way to help their families back home as well. I think that while Canadian players are a great niche for me, and it would obviously be of like great pride for me to be able to get a Canadian player to the NBA or several Canadian players to the WNBA or whatever. Um, I think I'm also kind of a niche for them because in a sense, they don't have many options in terms of having a Canadian agent. And a lot of agencies are kind of full capacity at how many people that they can take and keep doing an outstanding job for. So there's always need for more agents. And I feel like maybe now I'm somebody that Canadian players can gravitate to just based on similar experiences. Very cool. And, and, you know, one of the things as an agent, uh, especially kind of early in that build portion is, is like any other business person. I mean, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that, that uh, listen to, to our uh, show and, um, you know, may not realize how much of a business development component there is to what you do as well. I mean, we talked about networks, but it's also, um, you know, having to network, not just on the business side, but also with athletes. Do you find, does that take up a lot? And, and how, um, how, is, how do you do that? Like, how do you approach that as an agent about how do you develop business when, um, you know, you're especially early in that kind of build of your roster? So for a lot of people, they think of it mostly as a business because that's exactly what it is. But for me, working in basketball is an opportunity to create opportunity for other people. And it's unfortunate, but I think one of my competitive advantages in this field is that I actually care. Like my goal is to get as many players opportunity as I can, not to make the most money I possibly can. Um, So in my experience so far, being good to people is exactly what's attracted people to work with me and attracted partnerships and attracted people to actually mentor me because you can't do it all yourself. And I think just treating somebody correctly, whether it's a player, whether it's another staff member on a team, like those people are willing to help you as much as I'm willing to help them. And I think honestly, like that's the best business practice you can possibly have to grow as fast as possible. is just to be good to the people you already have. Yeah, I, I, and you're right that that um, you know is is probably not uh, out there as much, but it is something, especially in uh, entrepreneurial ventures, has really been um, what has has really helped people track quickly. I think anymore, especially as there's if there's that kind of authenticity and really kind of looking at it more for how do we partner together instead. Uh, how do you find with your um, uh, you have a coaching background as well. Does that um, does that help from that end? In in that um, you know, not just coaching the people you're talking with, but maybe your approach is is maybe different than some others as well. It's less sales and more coaching. Does that um, does that ring a bell? Yeah, I would say that it's a very interesting situation to go from player to coach to agent. Um, having that sort of 
switch that I can flip and think of like, how would I be thinking of this if I was the player? Because I know what that's like, or how do I think of this as an agent talking to a coach? What are they thinking? Um, what do they want to hear? Like, what do, what should I tell them? Like, do they want to know? They don't want my expertise in coaching, but how can I relate to them on like a genuine level? And I think that's really special to be honest with you. I've talked to so many players that, whether I actually have them as clients or not, I'm still willing to help them. And part of that is just because I can understand differently than maybe a lawyer could. And yeah, it's honestly helped me a lot. And it's also helping me towards my end goal, which is to be a GM in the NBA. I know that women haven't exactly cracked that yet, but that's not to say that somebody won't before me. And if I have to be the first, I will. And just being able to and perspectives like you need to understand what players need you need to understand what coaches need what their agents need and I think the only way to do that is to get experience in all of it (laughs) now you have that as your kind of big goal how do you how do you approach your goal setting because obviously you are a goal setter I mean you've talked you've talked about it a few times here about different things you do like um how do do you do it in in short kind of time periods do you have uh you know steps in getting there how do you approach it So I think one thing that people kind of overlook in goal setting is that a lot of people are afraid to set goals because, first of all, they're afraid that they won't achieve them, but also they're afraid that their goal is going to change and that all of that work that they've done is going to be for nothing. Um, But for me, I I set really short goals. And I think that's why I'm able to really, really dig in and get things done that I want to do. Like a very short-term goal for me was pass the agent exam. Um, So I dug in, I studied every day for months and I passed that agent exam. But then I have to stop and think about it. Like, why am I doing this? Like five years from now, where do I want to be? 10 years from now, where do I want to be? And how will that change over the course of my time in the industry? So I think it's good to have little goals that keep you interested and things that you can tick off really quickly, but also keeping in mind that all of these little goals have to be aligned with where you want to end up. And that's something that's really hard for people to figure out. If you don't know where you want to end up, it's hard to set goals, like an overarching goal. But that doesn't mean that you can't have little goals that might even help you find out what your bigger goal is. <laughs> yeah. And, and what um, you mentioned impact a couple of times. And, um, you know, let's say you use five years, but, you know, five years from now, if, if we had this same conversation again, um, what kind of impact would you like to see that people would kind of, you know, attribute to you over that time period? What kind of things do you want to see that you're impacting over the next little while? There's a few things that like, I, I'm doing this to make sure that I achieve them. So one is getting good people, good opportunities. Um, I'm really interested in representing players because there's a lot of people that are ill represented and they don't, in my opinion, get the representation they deserve. So I do want to get people contracts and I do want to help them fulfill their dreams. But on an off the court level, I also really want to help people make generational change. So when I think about generational change, that's exactly what my role was with Guelph. I was actually the first person to start an off court development program for the Guelph Nighthawks basketball team, meaning we had financial advisors talk to them. We had people teach them how to network and just teach them anything that they needed to know or give them somebody that can teach them um, something that they need to know, whether it's for themselves, for their wives, for their parents. But the way I think about it is a lot of these guys have children. And if they don't know how to do these things, there's nobody to teach their kids those things. And that's something that I kind of want to have as a legacy is actually like impacting generational change. 
Wow. That, so some, some big bucket things, because that's actually, you know, there, but, but obviously doable because there have been a lot of these times where, you know, some of those things have been very missing, I think in, in some of those genres. So a, a great thing to, to try to push forward. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that, um, that, we like to kind of ask about is because there's obviously the the goal setting part, but also um, mentors yourself. Um, you've you've kind of mentioned that being open and being kind of caring in in your your network has has brought a lot of people to you and helped uh, people have helped you along. Do you have specific um, like is there a do you have a mentor? Do you have multiple people? How do you approach that yourself? So I definitely would say that I have many mentors in different parts of the basketball industry. But I think the main thing that I like to look for in a mentor is that that I also have something that I can help them with. Um, I'm not the type of person that wants to kind of like use somebody for information or use them for help. So the people that I have in my circle are people that they can bounce ideas off of me. Maybe they're American and they need uh, help with Canada basketball. Maybe they're a G League team who doesn't know about certain leagues in Canada or about certain players. So while I would like to get them to take my player, if they have a Canadian or somebody that played in Canada that they're interested in, they know that I'm who they can come talk to to get an unbiased opinion about them. Um, So in terms of mentorship, I think the first step is the most crucial. That's just being willing to ask. You're going to have so many people that don't have time to answer you and people that just won't answer you, but you will find people that are willing to help and want to help. You just have to be willing to ask. And when you ask, you have to know what you're asking. You can't just go to somebody and say, teach me everything you know about basketball. Like you have to research these people and understand like where their knowledge lies and what it is exactly that you want to learn from them. And then in return, you have to think about what can I do for this person? Because even in mentorship, in my opinion, like it has to be like a symbiotic relationship. Like you have to have something that you can offer them. And maybe that's just, they love to teach and they want a student. It it could be that situation, but it could also be that they need help with something. Everybody needs help with something and you don't know what you don't know. So there's always that as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of the things that um, I'm sure is a a stereotype is that, okay. um, You know, if somebody's young and somebody, you know, maybe doesn't have as deep a network yet and things like that. Um, and those might be a, a, a challenge, but, um, but you already mentioned that, you know, you've got some competitive advantage from some of that. Do you find being kind of maybe in, in that, um, uh, in that position a little bit, um, you know, does it, do you have a competitive advantage because of maybe some of those things? I think that anything that people can see as a challenge, if you just change your mindset about it, it can be a competitive advantage. And in a sense, it it definitely is like being young can be a very big disadvantage and not having the resources that maybe some big companies have is a disadvantage, but it also makes you more relatable. It also maybe makes you come off as a little bit more friendly. And I don't need to be the CEO of a company to be friends with the CEO of a company. I also don't need to be a first year person in the industry to be friends with a first year person in the industry. So I think that it actually keeps me more open-minded to be in the situation that I'm in. And also like, I feel like if I was in the industry for a long time, and this might be the case for some people, and I won't know for about five or 10 years from now, but maybe they're less 
keeping up with the new hires, the people that are just starting out. Whereas for me, those people are my age. That's super interesting to me. Like, oh my God, how did you get this job? Like, that's so cool. And it's probably a job that I never want to have, but I'd still love to hear about it. Like at this point, everything is so exciting to us and we want to share a story and I'm happy to listen to everybody's story. (laughs) So I don't know. I think that it's going to be really beneficial to me and to the people that are my age that a lot of us have kind of clued into that aspect that we can help each other, even though none of us have made it yet. Yeah. Well, and, and you've already had quick success. So obviously that, that approach is working for you. And uh, uh, I mean, well, and how does it feel that you've already had lots of recognition from, I mean, you come from Newfoundland, we've got people from all over the world that listen to this, but if you don't know, Newfoundland is uh, um, not a small province in size, but it's a smaller province in Canada. And, uh, and so there's been lots of recognition because you have had some firsts already. How does, how does that feel when you've got kind of the, the pride of kind of the area that that you you come from as well of having done something you know pretty pretty substantial already it's really special to be honest with you to have the support of people here especially given the fact that they don't fully understand what it is I'm doing mm-hmm. like in, in a certain sense it's hard to support somebody that you don't understand what they're doing but everybody here is just so blindly happy that I'm being able to do what I want to do and that I'm actually helping other people. And I think that's in a sense, that's just the way of being a Newfoundlander. Like, Oh, you heard somebody help somebody. Like we are so grateful that you're from here. We're so happy you were able to help that person. And that's what I've experienced. I've had everybody from the the premier to my high school, like gym teacher to everybody just reaching out to say, Hey, like keep it up. Like we know it's a lot of work and everybody who knows me knows that I don't stop working. I, texted my client the other night at like 1am with a, a good business idea for him. He's laughing. He's like, go to bed. I was like, no, but it was such a good idea. I just, I had to tell you about it. So I am always working. And I think people are just, I come from a hardworking province. And I think that part, even if they don't understand the basketball industry, that part is relatable to them. And for them to have somebody that works really hard achieving things, um, I think it's special to them. And it's special to me for sure to have their support. And, you know, uh, so the one thing we do ask every guest that we have is to kind of have a couple of things that, um, you know, very directly could help people listening in their own lives. And, um, and I think what you're talking about there is a, is a good example that I'm sure, you know, when you decided to kind of jump into what you're doing now, um, that, uh, that there was probably a certain amount of fear, a certain amount of kind of doubt about whether you can get through it and things like that. Um, maybe first of all, I, you know, make sure I'm not reading into that, but I, I'm making assumptions and maybe I'll ask you that question. But then also if, um, if you could just, you know, a couple of, if people listening are thinking, okay, I, I just don't know if I'm able to do that. And wow, that's, that's a little bit scary to jump into something. Do you have a couple of tips on, on how to kind of move forward in that way? For sure. The first thing that I would always tell people is that whatever it is, you can do it. You just need to put in the work, take the time to do it and do it properly and Whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. I saw a quote actually on Instagram not that long ago. And it it was, I saw it at a time that I was a little bit stressed out about some of the pressure of what I'm doing and how public it became. And it was really, it was a really cute quote. I liked it a lot. It said that if you're afraid to try something new or you're afraid to be bad at something because you're not an expert in the field yet, you can remember that uh, experts, they built the Titanic and just normal <laughs> citizens built the ark. And I just thought about it. I was like, you know what? That's so true. Just because you have experience in something doesn't mean you can't fail. And just because you're new at something, it doesn't mean that you can't succeed because 
it's exactly what happens every day. That's how growth happens and that's how change happens. And we're living in a generation where you see that more and more. So first of all, you can do it. And then you just need to figure out why you're doing it. That is the biggest part because it's going to be hard. Nothing that's worthwhile doing is easy, but you always have to keep in your mind why you're doing it. What is your intangible goal? And that that alone, if your why is good enough, it will help you get to where you need to be. Wow. That's, I, you know, a, a great words because uh, we do spend a lot of time on here just talking about um, the why. I mean, most of the individuals that are, are at the top of their game that uh, we've talked to, and we've talked to some really cool people, almost all of them say the same thing is that you have to know why you're doing something or they've changed and reset their lives because they weren't following that. And, and uh, you know, that's been a big realization for people as well. So, um, uh, so great, great thoughts. Um, you know, if people are trying to follow, you know, what, what happens with you over the next little while, maybe what happens with your athletes as well. Um, Stacey, what are, what are some of the best ways of doing that for people? Uh, some of the best ways, because obviously everything is so remote right now is probably social media. Um, so I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I use those both a lot. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. My, my Instagram handle is just my name, just at Stacy Leewood. And I try to keep all of my current affairs on there, not only for myself, but for my players, because they deserve the recognition as well. Um, for my player, Xavier Moon, who's about to start his first G League season, um, you'll probably notice he has quite the following on social media as well, a whole lot of fans, but we could always use more. Um, <laughs> the Instagram handle is available as well. You can just Google his name and that'll come up. We'll put it right in, we'll put it right in the show notes so that that way people, if they have it, if they don't know it, they can click right through too. So Perfect. And then my other client, his, he plays in Korea. So he is actually an American guy. He was an NBA draft pick looking to get back over there. Golden State just traded the Spurs for his right. So it's a big year for him. Um, and you can find him on Instagram as well. And his name is Caddy Lalan. So he is a, a huge player for people to follow. He's had an incredible success um, and a really, really great story. So Awesome. Well, we'll we'll make sure both of those are mentioned so that people can get through and and follow those athletes as well. And 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 again, thank you for taking the time. I mean, you've you've really added some cool value, and I think a lot of people will uh, um, will really enjoy your story. So, thanks very much for sharing it today, Stacey. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm always happy to help. <laughs> Great. Okay. And uh, anybody else, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, make sure you do that now. We always have uh, great guests every week. So make sure that you hit subscribe. Uh, also follow us on Instagram at big idea underscore big moves. Uh, we're also on Facebook and all of those things as well. So, uh, so check us out and uh, we'll talk again on big idea, big moves. 